it, I'm ready to do it, I can't be afraid now Put me on the stage now, I'm ready to rage now I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out Howdy folks, Jamie here and welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. Got a bit of a special episode for you this week. I invited a good friend of mine, Dr. Mike Banner on. Mike is a GP and he is also a host of the Fitness Unfiltered podcast. We usually catch up on a Thursday for breakfast and a chat and I thought, well, do you know what would be better than that? Why don't we just jump on a podcast and have a chat on there? What we covered was body, brain, and business, and there's lots of knowledge bombs to be taken away. Mike's been through quite a bit of a weight loss journey himself. You know, he's lost around 35 kilos, and of course, he is very much in the know with what's going on in this crazy time being a GP. There's lots of awesome knowledge bombs to take away with this one, and I really hope you enjoy. Dr. Mike, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I am very well, thank you. And I, I just realised this is the first time that you've been on a podcast with me. Yeah, it I is. Bet. Apart from on our podcast, uh, you uh, came on ours. Oh yes, I did. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been a few years. It's a long time yeah. coming. We just had to wait. We just had to wait for a pandemic for it to happen. Yeah, that's it. Exactly <laughs> for me to be relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you probably are already aware, with the Mindset Muscle podcast, one of them that I like to cover is body, brain, and business. So I thought this podcast, what we would do is we'll go through all three and we'll kind of talk about the uncertain times that we're in at the moment with regards to the pandemic and how it's had an effect on you and what you have noticed around others and and most importantly, you know, the steps that you have been doing to try and improve the problems and the puzzles that you have. And I kind of want to start with body first um, because you know, there's been a massive disrupt with the fact that we can't get to gyms anymore. Of course, you know, you've had a lot of twists and turns in your fitness journey over the years. And I thought really just if you could share some of them kind of pre-pandemic and and kind of what has affected you during this pandemic, that'd be awesome. Because obviously, for for those of you who don't know, sorry, um, Mike, you've lost an incredible amount of weight over the years, haven't you? Um, I have. You have. So in total how much have you lost probably i'd say in the last 10 years so it was about i think about 35 kilos was my sort of biggest amount from sort of the the highest level to the to the lowest yeah yeah which is which is incredible so what's been kind of your journey the last i'd say the last six months with before what was going on and and kind of during now so before like towards the end of last year i suppose i'd say i I, I had been struggling for quite some time um, with my fitness. I'd, I'd got to this level where I'd lost all the weight I would ever want to lose. And I was trying to to get more into kind of a balanced sort of lifestyle, balancing, enjoying myself, um, enjoying training and enjoying eating and all of those sorts of things, which is a bit of a tricky thing to get to get back to normality after you've been dieting for quite a long period of time without either putting on a significant amount of weight or continuing to to engage in dieting i suppose so um it was a big challenge and and um obviously as you well know the gym that i was 
very much enjoying attending closed very sadly for me yeah that's, that's, um, that's bang out of order that is I know. <laughs> yeah i know i know it was it was a selfish act by the gym owner but ultimately uh yeah it wasn't and, great for me and, and for those of you who don't know he is talking of course of my gym grenade fit um and the kind of pattern disruptor his habits and routines of having one of the world's greatest gyms closed and having to kind of pivot and change which is very much kind of what you've probably had to do over the last month or so with your own fitness and training would you say Mike that this has kind of given you a better understanding of that kind of health and fitness journey with your body or postponed it you know because I think everyone goes through this initial stage of shock and then adaptation well I, I think actually when when the pandemic hit I was just at the point where I was getting back into the gym. I was starting to enjoy it again. I had a new coach. Um, I was having regular training sessions. I was making really good progress. So I was just at the point where I was at my most enthusiastic and at my most motivated to continue with my training. So it was very much like, for me, I started to get a bit uncomfortable about going to the gym before lockdown actually happened. I started to feel a bit worried about the um, the impact that it could have on my work, etc. If I was to fall ill from something that I caught at the gym, and I just it just didn't feel right to keep going to the gym. So I'd already started talking to my coach about different ways of approaching it, and that was what was what was really interesting to me is that um, I think a couple of years ago, if this had happened, I'd have been like, okay, well, I guess I'm just not going to train for the next two, three months. That's okay. It's fine. I'll take a break. And I just would have accepted it. But in the mindset that I was in when this happened, I was very much of the opinion that the gym is now a very important part of my life or not necessarily the gym is now an important part of my life as it once was, but training is a very important part of my life. Fitness is an important part of my life. Trying my best to be as healthy as I possibly can is a very important part of my life. So how can I then reframe that in the context of, of what is happening? Now, I don't have the skills to plan out my own training workouts and stuff like that but luckily I have a coach who does so we work together on on how to figure out what you know what equipment I had already got at home what I should try and get hold of if possible um and what we would be able to do with those things and, and we switched straight over to, to Skype training um with just resistance bands I ordered a kettlebell a 20 kilo kettlebell that has now arrived but that hadn't that, that didn't arrive for a couple of weeks so to start with, we were just doing purely body weight and resistance bands. Now we've added kettlebell in. Um, and I, I genuinely feel after we finish our sessions, like I've had a proper gym session. And I, I, that's one of the biggest surprises to me is that to be able to achieve that from my living room, you know, to be using my, um, you know, my footstool as a as a bench for rows is just like every time I do it, I, I imagine to six months ago, I think if anyone told you when you were buying this, this stool that you'd be using it to to do kettlebell rows. I just would have thought it, it such a ridiculous idea. Why do I want to train in my living room? That's where I chill out. But yeah. it's been yeah. great. And I think that's that's important to know with, with the way that people view things. Um, a lot of people view things as this is the place to do that, this is the place to do that, and this is the place to do that. So we don't tend to look at environments as adaptable. You know, we look at our living room as a place that we live in. The gym is the place that we go to exercise and the work is the place that we go to work. Um, and that for us has that kind of, you know, we have a switch. When we have a switch in environments, we have a switch in mindset. So a lot of people will associate going to the gym with working hard, going home with not working hard. And mm -hmm. of course, uh, going to work with a different kind of mindset. You know, you're kind of, you know, your brain's activated in, in different ways, especially with yourself. You know, you are open to questions to give the correct answers. 
Um, and I think suddenly when that pattern's been disrupted, it's very, very hard to say, okay, this place where you're used to relaxing and not thinking about anything is now your place of work where you now suddenly have to switch that brain on and activate it. And I think this, this is really hard for people to do because then they're not willing to think outside the box because they've never had to do it. You know, no one walks into a living room and goes, oh, that stool would make a nice row machine. It's, it's a stool. And, yeah. and I think one good thing to come out of this is that people are, are actually realizing how, um, you know, how different dimension of fitness can be worked. You know, people will look at a machine to do the work, but they're not looking or understanding the movement that's involved and the muscles that it's activating. And it enables you to get quite creative. You know, for myself, a lot of people, I've noticed some of the biggest engagement on my post the last couple of weeks have been my workouts. Because so many people go, I didn't realize you could do that with a TRX. Mm. I didn't realize you could do that. And I'm like, well, a lot of people don't know my background in the fact that I was in the military and I worked abroad. And, you know, I'd been to a lot of places that didn't have gyms, yet I'm having to train. You know, the middle of Somalia, they don't have gyms. They have rope pulleys and bars that people have, you know, created because they're there for six months. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we, we want to lift weights. Um, mm. So you get to have that imagination with things. So from for myself, when... You know, it's like right. The gyms are closed. It's a quick adaptation. You know, I don't like yeah. I don't like training at home at all. You mm-hmm. know, I go to the gym to get away from the kids and to train and to lift weights. Uh, and it's actually nice now. I don't have my own gym facility to actually go to somebody else's and mm-hmm. and kind of leave because then it's not just my place of work as well as you know place to relax. It's it's actually a place to relax, which you know yeah. for me is great. But at the same time, you know. I adapted to it and I was like, right, what do I, what do I need here? Um, and of course that's even more difficult, especially as everybody's buying up all the gym equipment and charging ridiculous amounts of money for it. But once again, you know, you understand it's just weight and there's many different ways that you can have that weight. So I bought a cheap, yeah. a cheap pulley system. A TRX more or less does a lot. Lucky to still have the box left over from my box jump Everest. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I have a combination of more weight strength based, you know, eight set, uh, three sets of eight kind of routines, but also the kind of power hour style metabolic routines where you're not necessarily focused on you know contracting the muscles you're more focused on moving around very much like we used to do with the uh with the power hours you know it's very it's a very different movement when you know doing kind of box jumps for endurance versus box jumps for you know building your legs and your glutes yeah um so yeah i mean it's been uh you know personally it's been a, a big change for me but i think uh, when I look at it like with yourself and that you'll look at things differently and the fact that if there is a, a day where you can't get to the gym, you'll remember the, you know, this kind of time when you did do that and it, and it kind of gets away the excuses where you're just like, right, okay, I, I know that I can do something else. And actually that does in a certain element reduce an anxiety down in the fact that you, you can be adaptable to two things. Um, and, and that kind of brings me to, you know, I don't want to delve away from this, but I think this is a kind of a change of a lot of people when it comes to getting a result from a meal plan versus getting a result from a flexible dieting approach. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not on the plan, they have anxiety because they're not able to complete, the, you know, complete that environment that they're currently in. But as soon as they start yeah. being flexible with things, they feel a lot more relaxed yeah. because they know that they can tweak and change things. 
Um, and in it, I think it's just changing and adapting those habits and routines, which obviously a lot of people struggle with. Um, but I'm hoping that people will come out of this better than when they went in. Yeah. And I think it, what's interesting to me as well is that I think we're all comforted by routines and we're all comforted by what is comfortable and what we usually do. Like even down to where we get our groceries from, what sort of type of groceries that we buy and all those sorts of things. And there's so many things that we've had to adapt in this sort of situation. And it is uncomfortable to start with. But once when it's out of your control, I think in some ways, like unless you, you know, unless you actually have OCD and, and conditions like that, where it's where it's very difficult for you to adapt. If the if the adaptation is out of your control, as in you can't do what you were going to do, you can't go to the gym, you have to adapt. It can be quite liberating as well, because you probably would never have even thought of doing those things. You never would have tried those things. You never would have realized that, you know, if you get, um, you know, you, that you, I, I, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, normally I would go and get like if I did buy grocery shopping, I'd get some bits from M&S. But I would always then go to elsewhere like Tesco's to get stuff like, you know, bleach and toiletries. And then now that you can't really go to lots of different shops at the same time, I suddenly find myself buying bleach in te in M&S yesterday for cheaper than it is in Sainsbury's. And it's just something I never would have thought about before because it's you're so rigid about you do this here and you do that there and, and stuff that that actually like, you know, we just we often just get caught up in routines for the sake of it. We don't we don't need them. Yeah, and and I think it comes down to convenience. When we when we got multiple options, sometimes we take all the options, and we don't actually look at the impact that that has. You know, if we yeah. if we make best do with the things that we can get hold of, actually that saves us a lot of time. Because yeah. you know, when we're spoilt for choice, and as you know, uh, if you get given too many decisions, it's very hard for you to make a decision. But if that decision is simplified down, then you become a lot more productive yeah true and uh and it is about you know narrowing down those decisions and you you've known me for a long time now in the fact that my decision making is very you know i don't sit and ponder over things i make a decision and i stick to it because you know life goes on and i haven't got time to sit and wonder what the best choice is and it's something that i say to a lot of people yeah you have so much choice just pick one and and and, and do it that's it simple um and it's not that simple as you know but it's is how that i've worked with a lot of things and it's just being yeah. being happy with the thing that's on your plate and, and not and not having that regret um, yeah which a lot of people do you know they'll they'll have something they'll go on their plate and then they wish they'd ordered something else and it's just like, yeah. well you can't you can't think like that no exactly so moving on to brain i think this is one of the most important ones a lot of people have been disrupted a hell of a lot the last few weeks and it's had an adverse effect on a lot of people. Um, of course, you're a GP, Mike, so it, I, I would argue that it's probably had more of an adverse effect on you kind of um, career-wise, work-wise, and of course, you know, mindset-wise. So I just wanted to kind of delve into your experience over the last month as a GP um, in, in what you've kind of experienced with that and, and, and most importantly, you know, with your own mindset and how you're dealing with it. Sure. So... It's been a very interesting journey from from the GP sort of perspective. And what's what's been fascinating for me is trying to balance the, the different worries that I've that I've had. So certainly my anxiety has all been based around um, the health and well-being of people who I care about. Uh, and in that, I include 
you know my patients as well and 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 the staff at my practice and also you know my my colleagues on a wider scale but also my family and friends and 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 those people as well so it's been just a lot of worry about what's going to happen to people you know financial concerns for other people etc i'm in a very fortunate position because you know as far as i know for now my job is safe um i don't think that that's that that's something that's going to be massively impacted um, but in terms of the way that I've worked, it's been a lot of adaptation very, very quickly. And what's interesting is general practice as a career is something that, um, I mean, it, it changes a lot, but the fundamentals of general practice have remained the same for a long time. It's considered a very traditional type of job. It's the type of job where, you know, you get to know your community, people get to know you, you have continuity of care with people, you know, families, you know, kids as they're growing up, etc. So, you you have this kind of this connection with with the community that 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 is really really strong and really really important um but at the same time there are lots of ways in which we work that might be considered to be fairly dated in in some ways like we've always talked about things like video consultations email consultations um, we do telephone consultations but they're very limited in terms of in terms of what we generally tend to cover with them um, and we've always, I personally at least, have always felt that something like a video consultation would undermine, you know, the traditions of, of general practice of, you know, having to, you know, laying hands on people and clinically examining them and all of those sorts of things and things that would be lost, I think, in, in video consultations. Now, again, going back to what I said before about suddenly choice being taken away from you, suddenly in a viral pandemic where you're trying to reduce the number of people coming into a building and being in close contact with each other, you are suddenly forced to think of new and different ways of trying to manage the problems that they have. So of course, telephone consultations, video consultations start getting pushed to the forefront and they were rolled out very quickly. And I have done some and I, I found them to be really excellent and actually and actually save time for both for patients and for us and also reduce risk to people as well. So, you know, it, it's been a situation where we've been forced to look at things differently. So that initial period where things were starting to happen was extremely busy tons of emails trying to figure out latest guidelines learning about the actual science behind the condition itself the treatments available or not available um the ways of prevent preventing spread of the infection things that we needed to do to work to try and safeguard our staff things that we needed to do at work to try and safeguard our patients um from both directions you know from other conditions as well that could be that could be worsened during this time and so that was a huge amount of work went into trying to establish new ways of working. And then what's been remarkable over the last, I'd say, few weeks has been suddenly people aren't ringing us up in the way that they were. And I think that's been something that's been commented a lot by a lot of doctors on social media is that suddenly people are now seeming to ignore or not have a lot of other medical problems that they were that they were seeking medical help for, which is a, a massive concern um, because you know the, the number of heart attacks, like chest pain, admissions to hospital, and things like that, and strokes have dropped massively, and we don't really know why. And, and there are there are lots of theories behind that. Is it that people are ignoring symptoms? Is it that people are going out and about less, so they're not you know exercising or exerting themselves as much, so they might not be having heart attacks? I guess people will be having less car accidents and things like that. And perhaps because people aren't in close proximity to as many people, they're not developing infections as much, like other types of infections, I mean. Yeah, and that's, that's something that I wanted to kind of ask you because like there's obviously 
swings and roundabouts of a lot of things, you know. Um, and kind of what got me thinking is that, you know, you have a lot of people, I assume, um, that come to the GP that probably didn't need to. And they're a bit of a hypochondriac. And to be honest, they're just, you know, they're just a bit under the weather. Um, and you obviously see a lot of people like that. And, and some people are open up to a bit of a new perspective of going, look, do you really, really, really need to see someone? Um, and that can be, I say that could be benefits and disadvantages because of course, if something doesn't feel right um, and you go and you find out that there wasn't something right, then that was a right decision to make. But then at the same time, um, you're reducing a lot of time and hours down where someone might necessarily not need to use up a, a GP's time um, and and they haven't done, which has saved saved you some time. But uh, but also the kind of a knock on effect, as you said, you know, I've been listening a lot to a to an Indian kind of guru called Sadhguru that goes live, and he said um, an interesting perspective that um, road traffic accidents in India, on average, eight thousand people die a day. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in India, of course, India being a billion over a billion population and he said there was three days in india where zero people were killed in a road traffic accident so when you look at you know covid19 as a horrendous thing to happen um you know because of it twenty-four thousand people's lives had been saved in those three days and it's a it's a very kind of interesting perspective where you think of the positive and ne- negative knock-on effects with things because as much as there are going to be kind of negative things there are obviously going to be positive things to come out f- from it especially from a, a, an environment you know point of view you know you, you've seen these videos of dolphins uh diving through the um venice um whatever they're called what they're called the uh the canals the canals i think and... i saw an article about how that was fake as well yeah. recently so i'm not even sure what's going on with that but i think what's interesting about it is that it, it it comes down to what you mean by need so that i just will pick up the point that you were saying about people needing to go see their gp um i mean there's lots of things that we do that we don't need to do but that we would benefit greatly from and i think my argument has always been when it comes to when it comes to patients going to see their gp is that everybody like nobody particularly wants to go and sit in a doctor's office and and have a chat to them about serious stuff so there's something in them that is either worried about something or anxious about something whether or not the problem is is serious or not and going to see the doctor will have a positive impact because they will be able to rule out something important even if there's nothing wrong so that is that's still a good use of a gp's time so for example if somebody had like a slightly sore throat and they went to accident and emergency, then yeah, I would argue they don't need to be going to accident and emergency. But but GPs are there to deal with minor ailments as, as much as they are to deal with anything else. And so that's kind of that's kind of our job. And what I worry about is like if you cast your net wide, then you will pick up a lot of fish. Um, and that's how we approach things like cancer referrals and stuff like that. So what we want to be doing is you almost need to be seeing a lot of people <clears throat> who might not need to be seen to make sure that you're see that you that the threshold is right for the type of people that you're seeing so for example if you if you refer uh you know a, a certain number of people to the cancer investigation service you want the majority of those to come back normal because you want to know that your level of of sensitivity for picking up cancers is really good and in that you will obviously be sending people who don't have cancer 
Um, whereas if your if your pickup rate is really high, or as in the, everybody that you're referring has got cancer, then chances are that there are some people who you're not referring who also have cancer as well. So I would kind of argue that we we want a wide net like that in general practice because we want to be making sure that people are healthy. And the other part of, of general practice that's also really important is the opportunistic health promotion and the opportunistic finding, like the incidental findings of other problems. Like, you know, when you happen to check somebody's blood pressure and you notice that they've got an irregular heartbeat so they need to be on blood thinners or something like that so it is it is worrying the amount of the amount of um people that that seem not to be seeking help at the moment um but and i know that in previous in previous pandemics in other countries like i think in the sars outbreak previously they noticed that there was a, a big increase in um in mortality from other conditions after the outbreak because people had been trying so hard to stay away from medical services and it's it's a catch-22 and it's a difficult balance like sometimes when you speak to somebody on the phone and you're talking about the you know the risk involved in getting them to leave their house and come down to see you or get a blood test or something like that you are actually managing a risk so it's difficult to to establish that but I think it's also important to be open about it and to realize that you know if you're not sure what to do you can still ring up your GP and speak to them without setting foot outside your house you can still have a telephone appointment or a video consultation and you can decide together what the best thing is to do so if you you know if you talk about the problem and you then don't want to go to hospital or you don't want to come in to see the gp then that's a decision that you can make in context as well so how about your own kind of mindset with this mike of, of course you know you're at work you're doing this but you get up in the morning you have certain habits and routines to you know, make you do the best you can with your day. What things have you found yourself have been beneficial and what, what things have kind of surprised you that you've struggled with? Um, I've struggled a lot more than I thought I would struggle in a situation like this. And I think that's had to do with, with my personal concerns and sort of concerns about family and things like that. That's that's sort of been my main area of struggle. But also, I've never been quite so worried about my job before. And, and I don't mean about keeping it but I mean in terms of how I do it the level of risk involved um all of those sorts of things like obviously you, you you there is there is increased risk with things like telephone consultations and stuff like that and then there's increased risk of of um spreading the virus with face-to-face -face consultations you know concerns about the PPE situation and all of that kind of stuff so there's been there's been lots of different concerns on my mind and what I've tried to do is maintain a level of routine um, while also not putting too much pressure on myself for everything to be perfect and accepting that I think that that a lot of people are going through very interesting emotional processes as they're becoming accustomed to this slightly strange new normal. Um, and actually, one of the things that I found massively beneficial to me is when when things started, well, like when lockdown happened, I was actually on annual leave. So I was away from work. And one of the things that I found really beneficial to me was going back to work. So I can completely understand why people who have been furloughed um, and who suddenly find themselves at home, you know, homeschooling their kids and having to look after their kids as well and doing all of these other things. It can be quite overwhelming, I think, as well. And I think one of the hardest things for people to do is to actually make sure that they take time for themselves to, to, to look after themselves and their own well-being. And I think, you know, we talk about self-care quite a lot and it's a bit of a buzzword, but I think that there are lots of simple things that we can do that improve our well-being that don't necessarily take as much habit and behavior change as full-on self-help does for example like taking on 
you know, mindfulness and meditation and reading and changing your sleeping habits and all of the things that that we know are good for our mental well-being. I think even the little tiny things like just taking, you know, five minutes to, you know, out of your day to just reflect on things or to to listen to some music or whatever, I think can be hugely, hugely valuable. But those are very individual things. For me, music has been massive. Just putting music on in the background when I'm doing anything, I found has a profound impact on on how I feel in my in my mood. Yeah, and I, I think mine changes a lot. I mean, my my routines are the same. If not, I've dialed them in a lot more. Something that I've actually noticed as a change is my morning power walks are usually listening to, you know, thought provoking audio books, podcasts, but I, I've switched them all off to be honest. You know, like for myself, it's that they're, they're not kind of personally helping me. What's helping me is having my favorite music on as a background and, and pondering on a certain topic for the day. You know, I've got 15 minutes to walk to the beach and my kind of therapy for the day is jumping on Facebook live in the morning before I jump in the sea and just just saying my thoughts out loud and that's been hugely beneficial for others as well as myself and I'm you know they're they're not being influenced by anybody other than myself and I found that uh, an amazing process you know I've I've upped my sea dips from you know every Tuesday to every day now and that's been a, a massive positive impact on my mindset and and the things because there's a lot of correlation between that you know, for, mm-hmm. for those of you that have been listening to this for a while, you'll know that, you know, I wake up and I don't want to jump in the sea, but I do it anyway. And there's a whole process of anticipation and not wanting to do it and do it and feeling great about doing it. And the more that you do it, the more that you're in tune with that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of correlations between lots of things that are, people are doing at the moment in the pandemic, you know, with their mindset. They're, there's lots of things that people do not want to do at the moment. They obviously don't want to exercise. They don't want to eat healthy. They don't want to reduce their alcohol consumption down. Um, and, and what happens is in situations like this, they're the best things to do, but we increase those things. So we start drinking more, we start eating more, and we start moving less. Um, so we're just adding that kind of fuel to the fire. Uh, and that's why people go down so much because, you know, usually what I say to people is, as with anything, in order to succeed, you need to do the opposite of what everybody else's natural tendency to do things is. And that's not an easy thing to do, of course, because you naturally mm-hmm. gravitate towards the easy, especially in uncertain times. But you have to kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, you know, it's not doing all of the things, it's doing something. And I think I think that's the most important thing. People, you know, you have, I spoke about this on a previous podcast, you, know, you have the team get shit done that says, right, you should be reading the books, you should be doing the courses, you should be exercising every day. And it's all oh, good for you. Well done. You know, and then you start having anxiety going, well, I'm not doing that. I'm struggling to, mm. I'm struggling to get out of bed in the morning. And you're just like, right, cool. So your mission for the day is to get out of bed today. That is your win for the day. And it's all about taking those, you know, small consistent steps, but at least doing something. I was just wondering what your kind of thought process is on that. And, and probably, and I know from a, um, you know, from a professional basis, because we're going to move on to business in a minute. Um, have you had many phone calls about people struggling mentally, let alone, you know, kind of with any kind of ailments or that? that, that is oh, definitely. To you? Definitely. And I, I think what's interesting about this sort of situation is that you've you've got two camps of people. You've got people who already suffer with with mental health issues 
um, or already have a big awareness of their of their mental health and proactively do things to try and maintain their mental health. Um, and I think all of those people have found it harder in this time. Um, but then you have people who have never even needed to have an awareness of their mental health because they've always just gone about life with with no particular dramas or concerns. And then they're suddenly finding themselves feeling anxious for the first time ever and they don't understand it and they don't understand what to do about it. Um, and it's very interesting. And I, I think that, again, because this is something that is I, I, I struggle to think of anybody who wouldn't have any worries based on this situation, whether those worries are personal or related to, to other people. There will always be a potential for impact on everybody, whether it's financial um, health related, uh, you know, medical problems, etc., or whether it's just uncertainty or whether it's just loneliness and isolation. So everybody's got something to be to be worried about. And so on some level, you don't really want to medicalize that and, and make people feel like there's something wrong with them for feeling that way. Um, but on another side, you want to be getting people to have more of an awareness of it, being in touch with it more and having a better understanding of things that they can do to improve it and signs to look out for that that they need more you know, professional help with regards to it as well. And that's a very difficult thing to balance because I think, you know, again, with the people who are used to dealing with with their own mental health problems, they know what their thresholds are. They know what they need to do in a crisis. They know what to do to try and keep themselves on an even keel. And they, they often recognize the, the, the signs that they're struggling. Whereas for people who this is new to, it's all a bit scary as well. So you've got the anxiety about the anxiety, not just the anxiety itself. So you know, there's there's lots of different ways, I think, in which this is affecting people. But I think also what's very lucky, I think over the, the past, you know, few years slash decades, I think there has been an increased awareness of people's mental health. And I think people are much more open to talking about it and to discussing it and to understanding it. So there are a lot of resources that are available online. Um, there are lots of resources that are available through helplines and also through people's GPs. So actually, in the same way that we're quite fortunate that we've got things like FaceTime and Zoom and Skype to keep in touch with people. We're also quite fortunate that we've got all of these resources on the internet that, that can be really helpful, but they also take a certain amount of engagement. So when you're talking about the people who are struggling to get out of bed in the morning, it's difficult for them for you to say to them, I'll just work through this 20 page worksheet on online and, and you'll probably feel better because they're struggling to get out of bed. So exactly like you say it's got to be about small stepwise approaches to trying to improve things so if your struggle is to get out of bed then that's all that you should be focusing on to start with and once you're okay with getting out of bed then you start thinking of other things as well and if you gradually build those up they'll be easier to deal with so chunking up the the achievements i think is, is super important and not not comparing yourself to other people and what they're achieving but just going at your own pace um and cutting yourself a little bit of slack but also trying to get yourself to work a little bit harder as well yeah and i, I think filtration of um channels is important during this time it's, it's the right filtration but um something that i've said on a previous podcast is is not letting feelings affect your future because a lot of people you know they respond incorrectly to feelings and it's perfectly natural you know when you're feeling a certain way you act out a certain way uh, and we all do it you know no one's perfect with regards to that but i think something that i found like a, an example i spoke on a facebook live today um i said i was walking i was on my power walk and all i could feel was overwhelming anxiety and it's just like well hang on a minute 
know why um and it's asking yourself why come on why and I, I i track back to my entire process before i walked out the door and what was different because of course i'm feeling this way because of something um and it's now i you know this is the best time to understand what that thing is because if you're not going to talk about all that it's just going to happen again and and i realized what i did you know i woke up i checked social media which i don't normally do um uh, i checked it for about 10 minutes before my walk which has a negative impact but then before i left i wrote my to-do list on the board before going for my walk and i was like oh that's why because that's usually a process which I do afterwards because, mm-hmm. you know, the walk and the sea dip and the talk on Facebook is my is my vessel filling. Yeah. Um, and then I come back and then I do the to-do list because now I'm in the right frame of mind to be more productive. But what happened is filling it out, I've spent 15, 20 minutes walking down the beach planning out the stuff that I had to factor in today to get done, yeah. which then caused the anxiety and overwhelm. And I was just like, wow, this is not, yeah, this this first half of the power walk isn't really working for me. You know, it's yeah. I'm just going through the motions and actually sitting down on Facebook Live and talking about what I did and then jumping in the sea and doing it meant the second half of my power walk after the sea, it was brilliant. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, I'm glad that that happened because I was able to experience it, have, a, have that feeling and then interpret what that was, which then gave me feedback to say, when you wake up in the morning, fuck's sake jamie don't do a to-do list that is what you do afterwards and the reason i explain that to people is that you know when you have a feeling of anxiety and overwhelm there is a there is a reason for it and actually mm-hmm. if you better understand what those things are you're not gonna you know you're not gonna solve it completely but you're gonna understand it better and the more that mm-hmm. you understand something the better your process is for dealing with it yeah, yeah. no i totally agree with that and it's I think I think that's understanding why you're feeling the way that you're feeling is is an incredibly powerful thing. And I think that part of the reason that this has been such a difficult time for so many people is because of the level of uncertainty. So it's the the way that they're feeling is about so many different things that that might not even be happening yet or that might not ever happen. Um, but because there's so much uncertainty about what could or couldn't happen that's giving people extra anxiety. And I think that's something that people generally struggle to deal with a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're going to finish off Dr. Mike with business. And, and kind of the question is, is how do you think this is going to change with your work uh, going forward in the next two to three years? What kind of both positive, I'd say more positive impacts. So I want to kind of finish on a positive. What more positive impacts do you think that this will have on your, on your business? Um, in the future uh, i think I probably you know just from what you said um do you believe that there will be a potential to have a, a excuse the kind of pun a, a kind of a dialer doc for video and uh, and for people to then be able to do that in the future or do you think people will just go back to normal with regards to the way that it's been i think a bit of both i mean i think it depends it firstly depends how long things last the way that they are but secondly, I think one of the biggest things that's been in the way is is the infrastructure. So so prior to now, it, it's very difficult for um, I mean, you would you would imagine that a GP couldn't possibly work from home, for example, because they need to be at their clinic to see patients and have the equipment there and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas what's happened recently is there has been a huge 
you know, increase in the in the infrastructure to enable people to work from home. And because of video consultations, that then becomes a possibility. So, like, for example, I wonder if it might have an impact on on lots of people who are, you know, who work less than full time, who are trying to, to balance, you know, caring for a family, for example, um, with working as a GP. And so who might only be able to do a certain amount of work in the week. Whereas they might be able to do more if they were able to work from home, for example, it might help with things like childcare and stuff like that. So I think that could be that could be a positive for a lot of people who work within general practice. I think a positive um, for patients could potentially be the increase of access to to GP by online consultations and um, video consultations, because if they become, you know, if they're slightly more efficient, for example, then and they take less time, then perhaps you might be able to see more people. Um, but I, I, it's really difficult to predict because, I mean, even if you'd asked me what was going to happen over the next couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, I would have probably got it completely wrong. So I think it, it's also unprecedented that it's that it's very difficult to predict how things will change. But I do, I do think things will change. I think that we will collaborate a lot more with other general practices, pull resources together, um, you know, we've seen a massive increase in stuff like teamwork, you know, people working together, people pooling resources, people saying to other practices, have you got masks that we can have, etc., you know, and sharing, sharing things with each other. And, you know, that's what's been what's been amazing to see within the NHS is is the amount of, you know, working at scale and the amount of coordination that have been and the willingness of people in every single aspect of the NHS, whether it's administrative um cleaning portering you know actual healthcare, all of the different types of it everybody has seemed to be stepping up to the plate to try and do everything that they can to help their community and, and again not just in healthcare, probably throughout the whole communities as well you know yeah and i think it's something i said a long time about you know the especially for my profession with regards to the fitness industry about collaboration being one of the most important things uh, a lot of trainers and coaches not looking at that they're against each other in competition, but actually that they're with each other in collaboration to help because, you know, there are so many people that need help. Um, there is a massive abundance. And I, I think I did this as a uh, seminar in perspective of how many millions of people are in the UK, you know, who have problems that need solved. And it's just a mm. case of getting through to those and understanding that there's probably, you know, 10,000 clients per personal trainer in the UK to that niche market so there's you know it's not as if that there's not enough people there it's just the way in which you go about it and personally you know from a business point of view i've seen a lot of people going about business the wrong way because a lot of it comes down to them being angry and and having that level of uncertainty mm-hmm. um and it is during this time where you know what i've found when when it comes to reflecting on my feelings on the days that i have felt my best are usually the days where i've given the most value Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a healthy balance of that because there's there's there has been days where I've given too much value in the fact that I've been literally back to back podcasts, back to back blogs, back to back catch up calls, and then I'm exhausted by the end of the day, and then a realization that now goes back to an old problem that I had of you know strangers get you know getting the best of me and my family getting the worst of me. Um, so it's understanding that danger is always in the dosage and too much of a good thing can be bad for you. And, and absolutely you have to go to those 
um, extremes in order to see where those limits are. Um, and mm-hmm. I definitely pushed those over the last few years, which have given me a lot of experience with it. So yes. is there anything that you would like to kind of finish on, Dr. Mike, with regards to kind of summarize body, summarize brain and summarize business that you can kind of give from your own experience during this time? Let's start with let's start with body. Well, I, I was thinking actually that the advice is probably the same for all three. I mean, it, I, I think every something that encompasses everything is just the embracing of uncertainty, the understanding that we don't know what's going on and what's going to happen. And if you can get a bit comfortable with uncertainty, then that is going to be in your corner. But for, you know, I would say for body, like it's been a big, you know, adaptation in, within that uncertainty has been really, really important. Recognising you know, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and trying to use them to try and optimize what you can during the t- a time of limitations, I think is is super important. Um, when it comes to business, I think a lot of people are feeling very uncertain again about business. So that's that's the biggest thing. But I think also, there are lots of opportunities to be had. And I think that it's also important not to feel guilty for trying to maintain your business at this time. I think what I've seen a lot of people be very worried about is trying to look like they're making money um, during this situation. But I, I heard someone give quite a good analogy of it that, that you don't see Waitrose and Sainsbury's and Tesco's worrying about making money during this time. Like they're, they're functioning as normal. They're providing a service to people. So as long as the service that you're providing to people is useful, then you're not making money from the situation. You're, you're making money from, from your skills and your services and you're trying to put food on your table and, and pay your bills. And there's no, there's no shame in that. Um, I think um, when it comes to to brain, I think just, again, A, embracing uncertainty, like I said, but also just taking time for yourself to look after yourself, focusing a little bit on your own well-being and also the well-being of the people around you as well, making sure that you're picking up when people are struggling and being there for them when you can as well. Cool. Excellent. Um, Before we go... I just wanted to announce something that you have been quite excited about, which you have been organising and will be happening in the next few weeks. Do you want to talk a bit more about it, Dr. Mike? I'd love to talk about it, Jamie. Thank you. We, um, we, and by we, I mean myself, uh, Dan Osman and Emma Story Gordon, who co-host a podcast, podcast called Fitness Unfiltered, have decided to put on a live conference event which is going to be on the first weekend in May. So it's the 1st to 3rd of May. Uh, We are in the processes of putting the final touches to things like the timetable and everything like that and the processes for it. But we are very, very excited. Um, We have a lot of very, very, very exciting people speaking at the event, including yourself. Uh Yeah, I'm excited about it. And and the lineup is amazing. Where where can... Can people find out more about it now or is it just a stay tuned for now? It's a stay tuned for now. We're about to be putting out all of the information, I think, across our socials. So if you watch our socials, you will get all of the information as soon as it is available, depending on when this podcast is released. But yeah, yeah, it will be on our socials. And where's the best place to reach you, Dr. Mike? I'd assume Instagram. I would say probably Instagram, yeah. So Dr. Mike the Second on Instagram, which is spelt D-R-M-I-K-E-T-H-E number two N-D. Dr. Mike the Second. There we go. Excellent. Well, Dr. Mike, thank you ever so much for coming on the Mindset with Muscle podcast today. And I finish every podcast with the same quote. And that's what you put in your body affects how you look and how you feel. And what you put in your head affects what you think and what you do. And today you have been filling your heads with me, Jamie Alton, 
and Dr. Mike II. Dr. Mike, thank you ever so much for coming on the Mindset Muscle podcast today. Thanks for having me.